the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome. So great to see you guys. Um, as you heard Jericho say, my name is Brett Long. I am the student pastor here at Life Church. Thank you. Wow. Oh. That's the most appreciation ever. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, if you guys don't know what that means, that means I actually work with students from 6th to 12th grade, so quite a range. It's a blast. I love it. But before we get into this message today, I'm, I'm so honored to continue this Judges things, but there's a little thing I think I need to share before we get in. So, I am the biggest baby whenever I get a cold. Is any, well, I asked the guys last time, but I had some wives come up to me in between services and say, hey, ask the wives. Wives, how many of your husbands are the biggest babies when they get a cold? A little more truthful this time. A little more truthful, okay. Okay, thank you. So, for some reason, I don't know what it is, most guys I know, like they get a cold or a stomach flu, world is ending, right? You're like, I can't do this. <laughs> Got the black lung, like I'm, I'm done. That's it. But then there's this other side of a lot of guys. That's the side where when we are in excruciating pain, we try to play it off like it's nothing. Like, I've broken a lot of bones, upwards, probably close to 20, okay? But there was one time in my life where I was in the worst pain of my life. It was when I broke a tooth, okay? I was eating a Jolly Rancher, bit before it was too soft, bam, tooth broken, okay? At this moment, I am in excruciating pain. I am like, this is it. I've been shot and I'm going down, okay? And I'm, I'm in this pain, but for some reason, I don't go to my wife, Lydia, and be like, we need a dentist now. I'm like, I can handle this. Play it cool. Take some Tylenol, nothing take some ibuprofen. I don't even know what ibuprofen does, but I took it. (laughs) Nothing. So then after all of that, my, my choice now is tell Lydia or go old school and try to pull it out myself. (laughs) And so I, in all of my 30 years of wisdom, okay, I'm like, I'm going to go get some pliers. And I go, I got some pliers, and I'm like, can I do this? And I'm thinking about it. Like, that's how much pain I'm in, okay? But I'm not letting my wife know. So, and I'm thinking, and I was like, no, I can't do this. I can't, right? So we end up going, I end up getting it checked out, getting it taken care of. Luckily, no longer broken. So it's fixed. But at this moment, I realized I need to ask for help. 
I can't fix this by myself. I can't take care of this. I'm not like Tom Hanks in Castaway. I'm not going to pry it out myself. Like that sounds miserable. And so I was like, I need help. Lydia, I'm dying, help me. And she's like, quit being a baby. No, <laughs> no, she's like, okay, what do you need? And I'm like, I broke my tooth yesterday. Like I went a full night without sleep, yes, yes. It took me a while for me to get to that point of crying out. But this has a lot to do with the story we're gonna be talking about. Is these Israelites, they go through time after time where they struggle and then finally things get bad enough and they're like, oh wait, we should call out to God. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Judges 6. That was good. All right, let's pray before we jump in. Oh. God, I just, I pray as we go into your word that it is your word that's spoken. It's your word that works inside of us. It is your word and you that is working through us, Father. So God, I pray that as we get in, we, we can see how you worked in the Old Testament and how you work today. So God, I pray that as we leave here, we leave here encouraged filled up and ready to follow you even closer. We just lift it all up to you. Amen. So in Judges 6, the Israelites are struggling again. The Midianites have kind of taken over. Now the Israelites are hiding in caves and hills. They're all over the place. They're hiding. So they're hiding at this moment. And then like, wait a second. I've heard stories that when we struggle, if we yell to God, he helps us. Good deal, right? Good deal. So the Israelites cry out to God. In Judges 6, 7, all right, it says this. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell." but you have not obeyed my voice. The Israelites, they're like, hey, we heard we cry out to God, and then God answers. Well, God does it a little bit different this time. God, when they cry out to him, isn't like, okay, here's a judge. He's gonna go take care of everyone for you. God says, hey, first off, I'm gonna send you a prophet. The Israelites at this moment are probably not being like, that's what I wanted to hear, God. Thank you. Thank you for, I was like, hey, we're beaten down and hiding. Thank you for sending someone to give a sermon. That was really cool of you. (laughs) But that's what he does. And he sends this to remind the Israelites. He does this to remind them that God is with them, that God is with you, that he hasn't abandoned you, that he is there with you. And that if you just remember the times that God has been at work in your life, that you can rely on him. He is faithful. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lead you astray. And so when we look at this, we need to remember that God is with you. He doesn't leave you in times of struggle. He doesn't leave you in times of happiness. He is with you. And these 
these Israelites, they don't quite get it at this moment. They don't quite understand that God is reminding them of he's always been faithful. He's always been with them. He's helped them multiple times now. All they have to do is remember that he is with them. And then it kind of continues with this Gideon guy. And it says in verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophah, which belonged to Joash the Abezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So at this moment, okay, this, there's this angel that appears. And this angel is actually special. If you guys don't know this, at this moment, it's something called a Christophany. It's where Jesus appears before he is born. This angel, it refers as a messenger of God. But this angel also refers to himself as the Lord. That he is God. So a lot of people believe that this is Jesus Christ in the flesh that appears before Gideon. That he comes forward and he reminds him. Like he doesn't just send an angel to Gideon. God himself says, I am with you. You're not alone. And some of us need to hear that. That God is with us. We are not alone. Whatever we're going through, that he is there. He didn't just, man, send a messenger, but he came down himself to be with us. He came down to live that life that we could not. He came down to give us grace that even we don't deserve, just like the Israelites, that he gave us grace. And it's with that that we see Gideon at this moment, and he sees God. And that's what we need to remember is that we are not alone. So me and Lydia have been on this survivor kick. Has anybody here ever watched the show Survivor before? Someone's excited about it. Okay. I like that. All right. But Survivor is this show, right? Where like 18 to 20 people go to some islands, split up into teams. The whole premise of the show is you form alliances and then you betray those alliances. You're welcome, okay? If you've never seen it, it is great. But what happens is there's these people that think they have this group of people on their side, and then all of the sudden, bam, one of their best friends just got voted off, and they're, they're done. They're like, I'm all alone out here. What happens at this moment is some of the best TV, okay? These people become desperate. They are like, I will do anything to get back at these people, and it's great to watch, like, it's exciting. You're like, what's going to happen? I don't know. So good. And so this is what's happening here, okay? Is these people betrayed, they feel alone. So the Israelites at this moment, they're like that person that feels betrayed. They're like that person that feels all alone. And they're going through this moment and saying, I will do anything now to get back. I don't know what I need to do. I don't know who I need to follow. I don't know. But I want I want help. It is me 
crying out for help. It is them crying out for help. It is you crying out for help at this moment. Gideon doesn't know what he needs, but he knows he needs help. And he's, he's like, okay, hey, God, how are you saying you're with us when we need help? It is me at two o'clock in the morning with pliers in my hand. At that moment, I need help, probably physically and mentally, okay? <laughs> I need help. And that's the thing about this is we all need help. We all need to remember that we need God. We need Jesus. We need someone with us that when we feel weak, he lifts us up and makes us strong. When we feel abused, that he is there. When we feel alone, we know that we are not. And that's what God is at this moment. He is there for them. He is not alone. God is with you. So whatever you're going through, just remember that you are not alone. God is with you. So Gideon is going through all of this and he's talking to God. He doesn't realize yet that he's talking to God, which is pretty great. And what happens is Gideon now, he goes, he, he kind of is told to make an altar. He goes, get some beef, goes, get some broth, goes, get some unleavened cakes. And he makes an altar and he's going to offer it up to God. And then the angel of the Lord is like, okay, put that here, put that here. Okay, now pour the broth on top of it because God likes to prove that he's God, okay? And he does this and then bam, flames burst, offering gone. So this happens and then the angel disappears. And Gideon at this moment goes, oh snap. <laughs> that was God. And he gets this moment of realization. He gets this moment that, oh, God was here. God came to me. God was here. So if we go down a little bit, we're going to jump a little bit further, okay, to um, verse 22. So then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. At this moment, he's heard when someone sees God face to face, they die. So Gideon's like, oh no, I've seen God. I'm, I'm done for. But God says, the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abezrites. And then after this, the, that night, the Lord says to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, that your father has cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. The second thing we kind of see in this story is God, he, he comes, he reminds them, I'm with you. I'm not just saying that, I am here. And then he says, hey, the second thing is, you need to put me first. 
You need to put me first in your life. The reason that people have gone to these idols is they've gone for protection. They've gone for comfort. They didn't know where else to go, so they've turned to these other things that won't last. And we do that same thing. We struggle. We go through hard times. We want the pain to end. We're like, I will take ibuprofen. I will take Tylenol. I don't know what other prescription drugs you have, but I will take it. Okay? And we do that sometimes with our problems, with our lives. We try to cover up this pain. We try to cover up this sorrow with these things that will not last. But God says, put me first. I will last. Get rid of these other idols. Get rid of this altar. Destroy it. Take it down. And we need to do that in our lives. Whatever's taken hold in you that you've set before God, let it go. Tear it down. And God tells us that. So finally, Gideon gets it. Not fully, okay? It takes some time. It takes some practice, right? But he takes a little baby step. He's like, yes. I will follow you, God. I know you're with me. You just came to me. I got this. So then he goes at nighttime, of course, right? Because he's scared. So he goes at night, destroys it, offers this bull. And at this moment, he's like, I'm ready to follow you, God. I'm going to do it. But then the next day comes, just like they always do, right? And this next day, It goes, when the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bowl was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring your son that he may die for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him contend for himself because his altar has been broken down. And we look at this and we see at this moment, these people are angry. But there's a couple different reasons that they're angry. The first is, of course, maybe some of them really worshiped Baal and thought that he was going to provide for them. Maybe some of them did. The second thing that I think most of them were angry at is they were already low on food. And this dude goes and offers a, an offering to God of a bull. Okay, if you guys don't get what this is at the time, it is a mode of transportation. It is food. And it can be used to grow crops, to plow crops to help them. This is a big deal. It is big. And so they're like, hey, dude, Gideon, we kind of needed that kind of angry, it would be like if someone, uh, it's too real actually, but if you lent your car to someone and then they broke it, how many of you guys would be mad? Only me. That's cool. (laughs) That's cool. Y'all are better than me, I guess. Got more grace. All right. But Say you do that and you lend your car to someone and then it, they break it and they're just like, my bad, bro. Here's the keys back. You would be furious at this moment. But that's the thing that God is telling us is, hey, 
to follow me isn't always easy. What I'm telling you to give up may be hard. It may seem like you can't even live without it. He's saying, but I need you to put me first. I need you to follow me. I need you to seek after me with everything that you have because I am with you. Come to me, follow me. Get rid of these other things that distract you. Get rid of all this other junk and follow me. And that's where we need to be as a church, is we need to be people that when we are, man, we realize that we're going through hard times or good times, that God is with us. He doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't abandon you. It's not always the way you expect, but he is there. And then, man, when we do things, it's, it's not always easy. When we have to follow him, when we have to give things up, when we have to push forward, it can be a challenge. So I am the student pastor. With that, there's a couple things that I love about student ministry. One of those things is every week, we have about 140 students or 140 people that come to our student ministry. And with that, we see students that come and hear the gospel. They worship together. They are doing their best to follow him with their lives. And we get to see students give their lives to Christ. We get to see students hear that gospel and understand it and take steps to follow him, just like Gideon is doing. We get to see people step out in faith to put him first. And it is amazing. I love that. When, when man, we get to see students get it and they get that aha moment, it's awesome. And that's what we're all called to do is go out and preach the word. But we get to see it in student ministry. But there's something else that I think is even greater. And that's the impact student ministry can have on families. Sometimes in our student ministry, we see students invite their friends that don't go to church, that have never been to church. They get to come and hear the gospel. They get to hear the good news that there is hope, there is grace, even when we don't deserve it, that there is love. And then after all of this, they get it. And then something clicks inside of them and they start to follow him. And then I think this is the best part is sometimes the families see this change in their student, and then the families come to church. And I think that is this picture that we're seeing in Gideon is that he's saying, come and follow me. I'm with you. Come, just live out your life and it will point others back to me. And that's what we're seeing with Joash saying, hey, forget Baal, Hilkenton, let's follow God. And we see that with our students. We see that with families that come to church that have never gotten to hear the gospel, but then they see it in their students. And that is amazing. That's what God wants to use this church for. That's what God wants to use us for, is to see the kingdom grow. If we just say, God, you are with me, let me follow you. I will put you first. I will have uncomfortable conversations. I will, man, pray for people. I will reach out, God, let me go. Let me do this. Use me, work in me. And that, I think, is where us as a church, I've seen it done, and I want to say, let's keep going. God is with you. He is. Wherever you are, remember that. Remember what he's done in your life, how you've seen grace. 
And then after that, let's start taking those things out of our lives that are holding us back. Let us follow him with everything we have. Let's pray. God, I just, I thank you. God, that no matter what's going on, you are with us. God, in the good times and in the bad times. God, I pray that we realize that we just need to cry out for help. God, and you will answer. God, I pray that as we go forward, God, that you, your presence is felt and then God, that we put you first and you, you lead us in directions that we didn't even think. Give up things that we don't need. God, as we put you above all else. We just pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Wasn't that a great word? (laughs) I don't know about you, but days like today give me hope for the next generation. Seeing these teenagers up here leading us in worship, seeing our youth pastor bring a great work. Some of you that haven't been around Life Church very long uh, may not know, but, but Brett actually um, came to Life Church as a 17-year-old in our youth group. As an, and it was, uh, it was there that he began his journey of faith and grew up in God, and now he's our youth pastor making an epic difference in the lives of our junior high and high school kids. Let's just give it up for, uh, for a great service. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.